This is 900 Feet Feet Behind, a podcast about women standing out and breaking barriers in the business world. This podcast is brought to you by Outbound. Visit outboundsales.io to create your free account today. My name is Leonor, and I'll be your host for the season. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 900 Feet Feet Behind. Today, I'm here with the LinkedIn top sales star, Hari Heroes USA and veteran volunteer and most sought after job seeker of 2022. The one and only Alexis Scott. Thank you so much for joining me, Alexis. Hi, Lenore. It is very nice to be here. And that is probably my favorite introduction that I've ever had on a podcast. That was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being here. So, Alexis, um, we've just launched the first episode of the podcast. And when I started it, I didn't really know uh, where I wanted to ask everyone because everyone has so many different experiences, right? But I did know that I wanted to start with this one question that's been our signature question in all our recordings, which is when you were a little girl, what is the first thing you remember wanting to be when you grew up? A ballerina. A ballerina? Okay. I think that's the first ballerina I've gotten. Yeah. And did you actually do ballet or was it just something you thought would be cool? Yeah, so I did ballet up until about I think I was maybe 12 um, and I loved it. By 12, I no longer wanted to be a professional ballerina. My, my goals had changed by then. Um, but when I was very young, I so admired the beautiful, talented ballerinas that I looked up to. And I thought, I want to do that when I grow up. Um, and yeah, now I couldn't be farther from that. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, people still look at what you do, I guess, in a sense. You're still in the eye of the public. A little bit, yeah. So could be more different. Could be more different. That's what I'm saying. Could be. What's funny is that it transitioned many times. I think at one point I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and then in high school, I actually wanted to be a television news broadcaster. And so I attended a program for that. Um, and obviously, I didn't end up doing that. But you mentioned being in the eye of the public, and I guess doing stuff like this, I am in a way, right? See? Well, at least you're in the ear of the public, as yes. this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you wanted to do all different things, and when you got to the stage to decide, well, what your career would be, what you wanted to do in college, uh, did you have a clear, defined idea by then, or were you still wondering what the best option would be? So when I was in college, I actually started out um, at a college in California that specializes in agriculture. It's an amazing school. It's called Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And I wanted to be a business major. However, mm -hmm. it was very impacted. The program was very hard to get into. And so, you know, the, the word on the street was if you apply for agricultural business, you have a more likely chance of being accepted into the college. And so I did. But what happened, interestingly, was I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Um, I loved learning about the economics behind our food and, you know, how companies market food, how they're placed in the grocery store. But ultimately this was back in the early two thousands when there was a wine boom. I think there was even movies made about wineries and winemakers. And I thought I was going to major in agricultural business and minor in viticulture. And so that was kind of my goal when I started college. Um, I got sidetracked 
lots of personal stuff happened. I went to a couple of schools and ultimately I ended up graduating from San Francisco State University with a degree in sociology. And it basically was, listen, I need a degree. What is super interesting to me? And that was my major. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I do find the study of society fascinating. I love people and I love learning and I love understanding why we behave, you know, a little bit of psychology, how we behave and why and um, how people relate to each other. So it makes sense. Now, as a career path, I don't know that that was the most uh, focused major, shall we say. <laughs> um, and ultimately, I grew up in sales. So, you know, a little bit around the way. Okay. So what were like your career prospects at that point? What happened was my senior year of college, I actually uh, took a job at a golf course near the school. And that is how I ultimately got into sales. So I was the beverage cart girl driving around selling drinks and the food and beverage director at the time, you know, we would chat a lot and he could tell that I was smart and I was business minded and he offered to teach me about catering sales and food and beverage sales and management. And so after doing like, we would have, you know, I'd sit in his office and he would show me, you know, spreadsheets and how to cost items out and, you know, marketing and sales materials. And after a couple of months of that, a role opened up to be a catering sales manager. And ultimately that started my sales career. Um, and that was before I actually graduated. So the graduation was just a foregone conclusion of, I need a degree. Let's just be done with this. Um, and then when I started in sales, I loved it. I, you know, I, I really felt like, wow, this is something I had never considered and I'm actually really good at it. Um, and that was the start of my career. And was it love at first sight or did you have, because I have noticed that some of my guests like you had a bit of a, a prejudice regarding sales roles and, and salespeople and becoming salespeople. Did you feel like that in the beginning as well? No, no, I was excited. You love this right away. Okay, so you are in an industry that's quite specific, right? The food and beverages, hospitality. Yes. How was that? Because hospitality industry is known for being quite long hours, quite difficult customers. And to start with that, it's like starting with a bank. How was your first job in that? It was great. So I was working at a golf course that had just completely rebuilt their clubhouse. So... It was very popular for special events, for golf tournaments. So, you know, I was busy and I was young. I didn't have kids yet at the time. And so I was just immersed in work and I was good at it. I was learning. It was fun. I think, you know, hospitality, the hospitality industry in general, you know, you have long hours, you work weekends, but the people are so fun and really your work family becomes your friends and, and you become very social. So I loved it. I thought it was really interesting um, there's kind of like different tiers of how much money you can make in the hospitality industry, right? And golf courses, golf course roles are pretty comfortable, not a lot of stress, but you don't make as much money. And so my boss at the time, listen, you're really good at this. If you want to make more money, you need to get into hotels. And so I moved into hotel sales, uh, hospitality sales, and my roles within that changed, you know, over the years, I went from catering sales uh, to, you know, corporate sales, et cetera. Um, and then I had children 
And so my life changed and, you know, my expectations or wishes for time off and all of that changes as you have a family and your kids grow. Um, so, you know, it, it evolved, I would say. And then obviously when COVID happened, anything hospitality related just got shattered. Um, so it's been quite a journey for sure. Yeah, I believe that. And you actually got ahead in one of my questions. So I actually have two uh, okay. about, first of all, all you were, well, a female in hospitality. And we've had people here who are females in com early computer companies, which were yep. very male dominant. I think that in your case, probably there were more females in the hospitality yep. industry. Did you feel like you have like female leaders that you could look up to in the industry? No, I cannot tell you one female leader in my hospitality career that shaped it. Not one. In fact, the only one that comes immediately to mind was a very negative experience where I felt that she um, had preconceived notions about certain people on the team. And then based on that would make her decisions that were in my mind unfair. Um, so yeah, not good experiences um, in the hospitality industry with female leaders. Um, male leaders were great. They were really fun. But again, none that truly shaped my career. I, I feel like my career was kind of at a, at a very slow kind of upward trajectory until I left hospitality. And when I left hospitality, that's when it went up and to the right tremendously. And, and I really interacted and got to know leaders who were invested in my future and my growth and who were willing to coach me and mentor me and, and ultimately change my life. Okay. That's, that's quite interesting. I didn't have the idea that, you know, leadership would have that mentality. I guess it happens in all, in all yeah. industries, but you, you do have that idea that I, my idea for hospitality at least is that the customers can be quite difficult, but that's, the people you work with are usually quite fun and, and easygoing. Oh no, they totally were. So my coworkers were wonderful. I had, and I'm still friends with very many of them. Mm -hmm. um, it was the leadership that I think could really use maybe a refresh. <laughs> I don't know the word. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think leadership in pretty much all industries is in, the need of a, a good refresh uh, yeah. at a time and not just in business but in politics and so on yeah. we could probably do with a, a bit of a renovation there like changing yeah. the house a bit yes okay and you talked about my, my question was actually you talked about becoming a mother and your mm -hmm. expectations changing yeah. so another issue that's been discussed here is not only how being a woman impacts your trajectory in the corporate world but how motherhood affects your career, uh, whether mm -hmm. because you wanted to or because people see you as less than or see you as more busy or just the state doesn't have enough measures to support women who become mothers. So how was your experience when you became a mother? What changed and what changed for you in terms of what you wanted? So my kids are teenagers. Um, they are almost 15 and almost 13. And 
15 years ago, it was a very different landscape. I feel like nowadays there's so much more support and more willingness on the company side of things to provide benefits and I don't want to say exceptions because really they shouldn't be exceptions, but accommodations for working mothers that I didn't have when I, my kids were young. Um, it was very, very hard. I lived in San Francisco, so an exceptionally high cost of living. Um, having two small children very close in age was very, very hard. It was hard because I was working in hospitality, so there were expectations to work nights, weekends, holidays, um, and it was very hard to balance that for sure. Um, I remember, you know, getting my 12 weeks off when I had my kids because California thankfully does have things in place where you, you get your time. Um, but I have actually said recently to someone, you know, had I waited to have my children, because a lot of my friends are just now starting their families. I, I made the choice to start earlier and I don't know that I would. Not because I don't want children. I have always wanted children, always wanted to be a mother. But had I progressed my career to the point it is now, I think I would be fearful of how that responsibility would affect my ability to perform at work, the cost. I mean, being a parent is such a huge responsibility, both just in life and financially. Um, it's almost like I'm glad I didn't know ahead of time. <laughs> I just jumped in and, you know, I'm very grateful. I, like I said, I've always wanted to be a mother. And so that that's just the way life worked out and it worked out well. Um, but it's, it's very, very hard in my opinion for mothers to have a career. Can you do it? Absolutely. Do people do it all the time? Absolutely. And is it worth it? Absolutely. But it's not easy right and if you think i was reading this the other day there was this chart right a man and a woman graduate from college and they're kind of in the upwards trajectory side by side but then she becomes a mother and he he might become a father but he doesn't physically bear a baby right so they kind of pause their career while their male counterparts carry on going and when they go back they're at the same stage where they were before Yes. While other people have progressed, do you feel like motherhood does kind of have that effect of pausing people's career, women's careers in this case, for a bit? You know, I think that that really depends on the woman because some people make that choice to pause, really focus on raising their children and others. Um, a child is an addition, but it doesn't slow down their career goals. And I don't think there's a right answer. I think that whatever is in your heart to do is important. Um, my mom raised me as a single mom and she worked my entire life. She's still working. And I respect her tremendously for that. Um, I know other people who were fortunate to, to have the choice to stay home with their children. I fully believe that being a stay at home mom is honestly harder than being a working mom from my, from my perspective. And again, I think, you know, it obviously depends on the person, but for me, I need that external stimulation and I need that motivation and I need to have my own something um, in addition to raising my children. I do think it gets easier. I do think that my choices for roles, you know, I used to be really afraid to accept a role with travel because I thought, oh gosh, what if my husband's gone? Who's going to watch my kids? What's going to happen? And now that my kids are older, it's a 
a lot easier to find care if, in fact, my husband is not home. You know, I can I can call the neighbor or I can fly my mom out or, you know, whatever it is. It's a lot easier to accommodate now because my kids are self-sufficient. When they're very young, it is so hard. Not just the actual care, but also missing that time with them. So there's a lot of considerations, but I think that women in general, we beat ourselves up. Nothing is ever good enough. You know, we can never do enough to be as good of a mom as we want, to be as good at work as we want. Um, and so it's finding that balance of saying, I'm doing my best. You know, I'm, I'm content with knowing that I'm giving my kids everything that I can possibly give them financially, emotionally, you know, educationally. And, and at work, I know that I am putting in as much work as I possibly can to be successful. And ultimately, that's all you can do. And that is, I think that's a very important keyword that the guilt, removing the guilt from motherhood and removing the guilt from our careers as mothers uh, is one thing that I think you're spot on at because people always beat themselves up because we're never enough. We're never right. enough for any of the two. And yeah. if we can remove a bit of that weight and just tell ourselves sometimes it's okay. We're balancing two pretty important things here and we're doing an okay job. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. And coming back to your career. So you had your kids uh, earlier than your peers. You're happy with your choice. You carried on in hospitality, but then you said during the pandemic, your career shifted. So how was that shift for you? So my career actually made a drastic shift when I moved to Idaho. That was a big piece of the puzzle was moving here. So I moved here about four years ago. And before moving, I started researching, you know, hospitality opportunities in Idaho. Um, number one, there are not a lot of full service hotels here in Boise. And by full service, I mean, you know, they have a catering function and they have conferences and what have you. Um, and number two, the pay in Idaho in general is very low, like exceptionally low. Um, compared to California in particular. So after doing that research, it became very apparent to me that I was not going to stay in hospitality when I moved. The opportunities were not there and the pay was not there. And so, okay, great. I'm moving. This is a time to reinvent myself. I had always been interested in digital marketing. I thought it sounded really sexy and cool. And there was a company who hired me onto their marketing, digital marketing team. And God bless them for giving me the opportunity, but it was not what I thought and it was not the role for me. Um, however, at the time, my schedule permitted me to work half the day in the office and then I would go home and I would work in the afternoons from home. Um, and one of the days it was Boise Tech Week and I was online, I was on LinkedIn actually, and I saw the ad and there was a company that I had been eyeing here in Boise called Vacasa and they were having an open house. And so I thought, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I need to get down there. I got to go check this out. And so I was able to, um, had a very brief chat with a recruiter while in the building, kind of awkward. She was like, eh, hi, nice to meet you. You know, who are you? Um, and to be honest, I wasn't looking for a job. I really wasn't. I was just kind of working through the whole marketing thing. And um, that night I went home and I thought, you know what, let me just see what they have. Let me just see what they have open. And I had applied for a role with them before I moved, but the travel requirement would not work for me. It was like 50 plus percent travel. And I thought, no, my kids are too young. I can't do this. Um, but 
had a great experience, really enjoyed the recruiter that I had spoken to at that point. So still had her email. And when I saw the role that I ultimately got, I thought, oh my gosh, this is my resume in a job description. And I couldn't believe it because my background is kind of all over the place and it was just meant to be. And so emailed that initial recruiter and said, hey, you know, I saw this posting, would really love to apply. And long story short, I ended up getting that job. But Vacasa is technology meets hospitality. And so it brought me into essentially the 21st century of, you know, work and being able to work remotely and learning how to use Slack. And, you know, you learning all of these programs that I had never used because hospitality in general is very archaic. And um, it's that role truly changed the trajectory of my career in very many ways. But with that came COVID. And when COVID happened, I lost my job. And that's, you know, the story goes on. Okay, so you've had a lot of ups and downs in your, your career. Go to try something, you like it. And like, how do you deal with that? Because most people would just get frustrated and just give up and think that something outside of this world is against them. How do you pull yourself up and go like, no, I can find something else. I'll find something that's better for me. So COVID was really hard. That was a very tough time at first because there were no jobs to be had. And so I did have to mourn. I also had invested so much of my energy and love and care. Like I was building a team and we were growing and I finally felt like I had people who believed in me behind me. Um, so to get knocked off like that was really hard emotionally for me. I am very blessed to have made some incredible friendships and relationships from that role that I am people I'm still very close to now. Um, but losing my job helped me find my voice. And that was a critical component in landing my next job. And also just in general, being confident about who I am and what I can accomplish and what I bring to the table. Um, I'm on a job search right now. I fluctuate between feeling like, no, I need to hold out. I, I know that something great is out there for me. And then other days I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm shooting too high. Maybe I should just take something to take something. And it's this constant battle in my head of believing that I can achieve what I want to achieve. And then that little voice that tries to knock me down and say, no, you know, this is not what's going to happen. This is a bad choice. And then, you know, the other voice is going, absolutely not. You're following your heart. You're following your dreams. This is going to be great. And you just have to be patient, you know? So it's a battle. <laughs> and I think a battle that many people are struggling with at the moment with this wave of layoffs so sure. what you're going through is what so many others are going through, maybe a bit less positive. So I hope this is inspiring to them. And you're very active on LinkedIn with yeah. your job search, <laughs> with the way you make connections. You just, you are natural for making connections. I saw your post the other day about meeting a lady while you're doing your money. Yes. And then you connected with her on LinkedIn. How do you do that? How do you just establish relationships so easily? Well, I think I'm very outgoing and I think with age comes confidence. And when you are confident in who you are, it becomes a lot easier to talk to people. It's, it's funny. I had a job interview the other day and 
the person I was talking to said, are you nervous? And I said, honestly, at this point, I can't think of any question I haven't been asked already. So no, I am not nervous. I'm just going into this and I'm having a conversation. And I know that I know what I'm talking about. And so if someone has a question for me, that's great. I can totally answer it. Do I know everything? No, of course I don't. But I can always speak from a place of experience, like of anecdotes that I have experienced in relation to it. Um, So while I might not have like direct experience in something, I have such a vast experience to pull from that it becomes easier. And so I think that that's a part of it. I think part of it is just natural curiosity, being able to be interested in other people and talk to them and ask questions. Everyone wants to feel like they're interesting, right? So if you can create a connection with someone through asking them about themselves, that really helps. Um, And for me, LinkedIn is very therapeutic. I tell my story. It's like my journal, my diary. Some people don't like that or disagree with that, but I don't really care. Um, It's who I am. And it has helped me tremendously in my career and in my job search and in relationships. I met my best friend on LinkedIn of all places. Um, So, you know, there's, there's many wonderful, wonderful, real people on there that you can connect with far beyond the computer screen. That's amazing story. I, I never thought like LinkedIn is the, the Tinder for friendships now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's good because people think some people think LinkedIn is just a strict professional network. But the truth is, well, I connected with you via LinkedIn mm-hmm. and you meet so many interesting people through LinkedIn. And yeah. if you're just there saying, oh, hit your targets or there's a dump of techniques for engagement or this or that, how are you supposed to meet real people and have real conversations that bring you further in life? Right. No one's going to want to have a conversation with someone who's just a sales bot on LinkedIn, right? Totally. Wow. No, that's now I'm going to go on LinkedIn and share my story. Go for tomorrow. (laughs) I bet you, I mean, from my experience, what I have learned is I don't think I'm sharing anything groundbreaking, right? Like I'm telling Mm -hmm. my story, just literally whatever pops into my head. Like you said, oh, I saw today that you, you know, you booked a trip with your daughter and is that LinkedIn worthy? I mean, in some ways, yes, because ultimately the goal of this trip is to take a break mentally and to stop with my job search for a couple days and just recharge. So it is tangentially related to my career. Um, but sometimes I post up and I receive private messages from people that they say, you know, I needed to read that right now. I'm going through something that is very hard. And just knowing that I'm not the only one experiencing that helps so much. So a lot of times what I find is people are nervous to share or they don't want to sound a certain way, or they don't know what to post. Um, and the reality is, there's always someone that can learn from you. Even though you might not think that, there are. Very true. So I have a very big question uh, that I think will be in all our listeners' minds right now. What is the goal? Where would you want your career to go now? What type of job would make you happy? Because you never know who's listening to this. So what is the dream? So that is a million dollar question. Um, and I, as I'm going through this process, I'm narrowing it down. 
Um, there are a couple of benefits that I, you know, are my, on my wish list, unlimited PTO, 401k, um, learning stipend. I, I love to learn. So that's a big piece of it for me. Um, but ultimately it comes down to the people that I'm working with. And I know that I don't want to sell, which is interesting because I continue to receive messages all the time from people going, Oh, you know, I'm looking for a great seller. And I'm like, Oh, that's not me. Um, so that's, that's on my no list, you know, but my yes list is actually growing. The more conversations that I have with people, um, ultimately it's going to come down to an organization that does work that I believe in. I, I need to understand what it is they're selling or what it is they're doing, what their mission is. Um, and I need to feel energized by the work that I'm doing. It, I, I started out thinking one thing and the more conversations that I've had, it's, it's migrating. So I'm really just looking, you know, for that needle in a haystack. I know that sounds crazy, but I will say I tend to thrive in opportunities that are multifaceted where it is not like one of many, like, you know, one AE of 45. That's not really what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a role where I can do a handful of things and really support the team that I'm working with and collaborate with them. That's a huge component. I really love working with others, albeit remotely. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm good at sales. I'm good at marketing. I'm good at communication. Um, I know a lot about talent and hiring. And so there have been unique opportunities that, you know, I've been in conversations with where it's like, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But I will say I tend to be drawn towards kind of different or unique opportunities that are not run-of-the-mill titles. Okay. That's a cool perspective. I like that. And you like okay. to be... Your face is cracking me up right now. I know this is a podcast, so I don't know that people will see you. But I think that that's the general reaction, and it makes it very challenging for people to help me because... I'm not saying send me all of X, you know, if you see a company hiring X, call me. Um, my success has been with opportunities where people know me and they know my capabilities, they know my strengths and they say, oh, Alexis would be perfect at this. And this is ultimately why I haven't landed yet because I refuse to be in a box. I don't wanna be in a box. I wanna do something a little bit different, a little bit unique. Um, where people believe in me and, and what I can do as opposed to what I have done um, and and who see my potential. And in this job market, this is probably not the wisest thing. I would not advise people to take this route, but it is my route. <laughs> um, and and it is, it's the hard route. You know, I am climbing a very steep mountain. I am very aware of that. But I do believe that the network and connections that I have made in the last, you know, three, four years have shown enough people what I can do um, to where the right opportunity will present itself. So I am confident in that. Um, like I said, I'm well aware. A lot of people don't understand it. I've had some, you know, folks really not understand it. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, that's totally fine. If, if I'm not the right fit for an organization or if they're not the right fit for me, that's totally fine. I do believe that this needle in a haystack role is out there for me. The question becomes who, what, when, where, how, <laughs> um, and when is the biggest thing, right? When is the component? And I am just not 
willing to take a leap without really feeling confident that it's the right choice for me. And I was actually, by the way, my, my face was not uh, a face of surprise or uh, of thinking it wasn't worthy. It was actually thinking, wow, you know what you want. And you didn't just go and say, oh, this role. No, you have an idea of the benefits that you'd want to be part of. You have an idea of the team you want to work with. And you're looking for something special. And I think to have the courage to admit that, no, I don't want a role like any other. I don't want a role that has a description that's just copy-paste from all the other descriptions on LinkedIn. I want something that's unique, that's different, that transforms me somehow, and that I can make an impact on. So, and again, we're discussing a face that no one's seeing because this is a podcast. <laughs> no, but I, I'm really impressed because I, I appreciate someone who knows themselves. And... Well who knows what they want. I had a conversation with, um, I don't know what you would call her, a life coach, I guess, career coach. I don't know. Um, I was mm -hmm. a guest on, on a recording that she did and we had a session afterwards and she was asking me, you know, what, what is it that you want? What is it that you don't want? And as I was describing it to her, she said something to me that really stuck with me. And she said, so you want to matter. And I, I, took that in and I was like, you know what? Absolutely. I want my voice to be heard. I want my efforts to be recognized. I want the fruits of my labor to make a, an impact on the organization that I am working for. I do not want to coast and just be a cog in a wheel and have a monotonous, you know, process every day, same thing role. Um, I want to be different. And, and I had never heard it described like that. But that really is what I want. I do want to matter. I want to have a seat at the table. And, and those roles are harder to come by. They really are. So I'm willing to be patient and see what comes. And surely something amazing will come that will just be you. And I hope, I hope that this podcast also helps you nail. Well, you'll probably have a job by the time this is out but at least some valuable connections and network that will help you in your career in the future. And our time has actually uh, run out already, but I do have one last question for you, uh, okay. which is you are looking for a job. You're fortunate enough to be able to look for the job that you want. Uh, yes. But unfortunately the situation of women at work uh, is still not the same for everyone. And there's many women struggling to yes. get a career, to get a well-paid career. What do you think are the things we still need to change and your hopes for the future of women in the corporate world? I think not even women, but it, I do think it affects women simply because like what we talked about, having children, coming back from hiatus, mm -hmm. you know, all those things, that, that's one component. But I really think that as employers change their theory in hiring, that enabling people to career transition can make a drastic impact in many people's lives and hiring for potential more so than a resume, that is the key to making a huge impact in, in hiring in general. It's something, you know, I think a lot of people see me on LinkedIn because I am vocal and I am connected. I am up against just as much rejection as anyone else out there since this process started. And I believe that the majority of it, based on the feedback that I've gotten, is 
companies feel safer hiring someone who has done it already, as opposed to someone who shows the signs of being competent and capable um, and who could potentially do the job. It's easier for them to say, oh, forget it. I'm going to pick someone who's, who's already been there, done that, than give you that opportunity. And I think that's a huge miss for a lot of companies because there are so many people out there who have tremendous capacity and the skills needed to be successful and so many companies are not willing to give them that shot. And that my, in my last role, that was a big component to why I loved that company and that role so much is that I played a hand in enabling people to change their lives and finding those companies who are willing to give them that opportunity. And I have such tremendous respect for leaders who are willing to coach and willing to mentor and willing to put in the effort to help someone completely change their life. And it's, it's rare, unfortunately, but it shouldn't be. That's a very important message. And I honestly can't think of a better way for us to end this episode than to obviously thank you once again. Uh, it was a lovely conversation. And also thank our listeners and tell them that next week I'll be back with founder and president of Factor 8, Lauren Bailey, for a very special last episode. I'll see you all there. <laughs>